Welcome to the Jenna and Tosh Show. I'm Tosh Taylor. And I'm Jenna Morton. Thanks for joining us on today's show. If you're a regular listener or watcher, you will have seen these faces before. And if you're not, you are going to be excited. I hope as excited as we are, because <laughs> I, I am, obviously. So uh, we are very thrilled to welcome back Lisa Dawn Hamilton and Bonnie Fisher to the podcast. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us back. Oh, of course. So for folks who don't remember you from before or who are just being introduced to you, uh, Lisa Dog, could you maybe give us a little bit of an introduction as to what you do? So I am a professor at Mount Allison University, and there I run the Mount Allison Sexual Health Lab, where I do research on all sorts of things related to sex. And I also have a business called Sex Ed East, where I do sex ed for grownups. And today I think we'll talk about specifically educating parents on how to talk about sex. And I also have a podcast called Do We Know Things, which is a research approach to sex and answers all sorts of sex related questions with research. Uh, we also have Bonnie Fisher joining us. Bonnie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, of course. So I've been on before for my podcast, which is with Katie Kelly, who's also been on your podcast before as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we do the Question Box podcast. And I am a sex educator for Sex Ed East that Lisa Dawn was just talking about. And I am also the research coordinator for the Mount Allison Sexual Health Lab at Mount A. There's so much going on there. So much knowledge. <laughs> Thanks so much. And so I like to kind of think of it as, you know, the, the lab and the podcast are kind of that, you know, sex ed for adults. It's, you know, those of us who grew up with Sue Johansson who still wish there was that kind of <laughs> uh -huh. resource. It's you guys. We have it. Go listen to all their stuff. But also, you know, as, as parents, we still need that help as well. And you guys are also providing that aspect and you guys recently through sex ed did like a sex ed for parents to talk to children workshop which was fantastic I took part in it and it was just anyone who is out there going oh how do I bring up these topics when is the right age to talk about this and that you guys have these answers and you're going to tell us some of them. We'll tell some and then hope that you will also join in the seminar at an, a later date. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bonnie I think you've got some books there. I do. Be able to, uh, to help us out because uh, that to me is always the easiest way to start any of those conversations <laughs> or to figure out yourself what you should be talking about. For sure. <laughs> and the books that I have are also books that you can read with your children, which is really mm -hmm. great. So one of the things that we talk about in our uh, seminar is how to be an askable parent, which just means that you're kind of open and approachable to your child and able to discuss anything with them, not just sexuality or sexual health. Um, but this is a good segue into these more sensitive topics. And one of the great ways to do it is to go maybe get one of these books. So you can just kind of sit down and flip through it and read it with them. And the same thing, we have uh, websites that we recommend as well and some YouTube videos too. And anything like this, you can watch and read with your child. And then afterwards, you can follow up with them and ask if they have any questions or things like that. Um, and it's much better that you do this with them, especially when they're young, than them checking this stuff on their own, because you want to make sure that you're pointing them towards good 
credible resources, right? Yes. So there's lots of websites out there that might not be um, what you want them <laughs> surfing on. <laughs> so one of my favorite books, I don't know if you can see it there, for younger children, and really like you can start reading this to them um, as infants and, you know, it's uh, good as they grow. I have more questions and it's called What Makes a Baby? And it's by Corey Silverberg. There's two books by this author that I really like, and they're just really like well illustrated and lots of colors. And kind of my favorite thing about them is that they're very, very inclusive and they don't, uh, aren't specific to gender. So when they say things like, when grownups want to make a baby, they need to get an egg from one body and a sperm from another body. They also need a place where the, where the baby can grow. So they use things in terms of bodies and this and that, not like um, they need an egg from a woman and, or a sperm from a man. Like, so they're very, you know, very good about discussing things in that manner. Really great book for young children. The next one that I really like is by the same author, uh, and it's called Sex is a Funny Word. And um, so this is for kids that are probably middle school age, I would say. But early, I started reading it to my children who are four and six, and they like it. They may not fully understand everything, but it still gives them a chance to ask questions and talk about things. And we also recommend that you kind of even when you talk to your child that you speak sort of at a level just a bit above what you think they might understand because sometimes they understand more than you think or if they don't it gives the opportunity for them to ask questions and then you guys can talk about it and have a discussion um so again really great book i like it it's kind of more laid out like a comic book than the last one so you can see that it has like you know lots of pictures lots of colors uh this one talks about what is sex learning about bodies Boys, girls, and all of us, touch, talking about sex, crushes, love, and relationships. So definitely more information. It's a thicker book, but really good. And then one of our favorite books that Lisa Dawn likes to give out as a wedding present <laughs> for people, <laughs> um, is called uh, The Guide to Getting It On. Um, and so it's more, it would be more geared towards adults or older people or older adolescents. Very thick, uh, but really like covers every topic and it's it's good it's an easy read but it's also all fact-based and research-based so it's uh i really really like it oh, is, is it like an encyclopedia of sex almost <laughs> yeah like yeah. it's the the table of contents i'm sure is like half the book it's like just goes you know on <laughs> Anyway, like a Bible <laughs> for sex. And for websites, we recommend the Scarletine website. Um, it's really good for parents and, um, and children. You can go on it and surf it with your child if you want to talk about things together or, you know, same if you want to read it alone and then go talk to your child. You know, it's, it covers basically every topic. It's really inclusive. It's great. And for YouTube videos, we recommend the Everybody Curious videos. Um, I think they're kind of more directed towards maybe middle-aged students, um, young adolescents. But again, it's kind of, the videos are sort of like a class-based setting and they talk about um, lots of sexual health topics and um, they'll have puppet shows and different things. And so it's a, it's a great way for children to learn about sexual health. And a great resource for parents who are, whether you're homeschooling or learning from yes. home or just trying to, you know, be ahead of these topics in your own household, valuable tools to have right mm -hmm. now. <laughs> Absolutely. I, my question is, when do you think kids should start learning about this stuff? Should we be waiting until they hit puberty, right before puberty? Or like Bonnie, you said your kids are four and six and you're already talking about it. What do you think? <laughs> 
so the thing with sexual health is that it covers wide range of um, topics. So you're not just talking about intercourse. Um, over time, you want to talk about things like biology and relationships and emotions and bodies and feelings and pleasure, um, sexual orientation and gender and reproduction, and the list is endless. So starting these conversations with really young children um, and building on them over time is really helpful. So, you know, when you have babies and they're just learning how to talk, you know, you want to start with things like naming um, appropriate body parts and teaching them how to clean themselves properly. And that gives a good, you know, way for you to like name body parts and things like that. Um, you know, naming emotions and feelings and how to express them properly is a good way for them to learn how to express feelings in relationships in their relationships and um, also how to explain their wants and needs in a relationship. So you really want to start, you know, as young as you can and just kind of grow on these skills as they get older. One term that you brought up already this morning and that I know is a big part of your workshop and what both of you try to to help people with is that idea of being an askable parent or an askable adult. I'm wondering if you could expand a little bit more on what that means, but also how we actually make that happen. <laughs> so basically it just means that, you know, to be an askable parent is that you want to be open and approachable. It's important because it gives children and adolescents um, access to factual information um, as opposed to going and seeking this information on their own that may not be credible um, information. And so like other resources be like potentially their friends who may not know fact-based information. <laughs> A lot of uh, adolescents will seek um, sex ed from porn, um, which we don't, again, really want, you know, their, the bulk of their sex ed coming from. So, you uh, you know, being able to talk to a parent and it's okay. Like a lot of parents may feel uncomfortable because they may not feel like they have the right answers, especially in that moment. And again, just be open with your child. If you don't know the answer, you can say so, but make a point of saying like, I'm not sure about that, but I will find that out and either get back to you or we can go look for this answer together. And then you guys can go look at, you know, books or websites or whatever. So just being able to, communicate with them. And it can be hard because sometimes um, we may not have been raised with the best sex education ourselves, whether this was, you know, poorly given in school or whether we didn't, you know, if we weren't able to talk to our parents ourselves. So, you know, kind of changing that can be difficult. So I actually recommend kind of practicing by yourself. So sometimes, you know, standing in front of a mirror and saying, you know, um, explicit words or sensitive words or body parts that, you know, might normally make you kind of feel giggly or funny. So you can stand in front of a mirror and say things like penis, vagina, and vulva and learn how to just feel comfortable with it. And then that will make you feel more comfortable about talking with your child about this subject. Same thing, if there's a conversation that you anticipate having with your child that you may feel uncomfortable or you may think that it's difficult, you can practice um, ahead of time by yourself about maybe the questions they might ask and how you would respond to them and kind of the things that you're going to say. And just if you can prepare for it, it makes the whole conversation much easier. And really, children just kind of want to know your values, your attitudes. They, you know, they care about your opinion. They may do something different than what you recommend, and that's okay because they're their own humans and they're free to make their own choices. <laughs> but the idea is that you want to give them as much safe and credible information as you can um, so they can make those good choices on their own. 
people of our generation that are raising kids right now. My parents were like super conservative. I can remember the talk with my mom and how awkward it was because it had just not been a thing mm-hmm. in, in our house. It wasn't talked about or, or anything. And I vowed that I would never make it that awkward for my two daughters. You think but, you're in the majority. That's what most people say. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that was going to be my question, Lisa Dawn, with parents that are in these programs, is that like the the hardest hurdle you have to get over is teaching them how to be kind of more calm, cool, and collected about it? Yeah, a part of the program is about emotional regulation for parents and teaching your kids how to better deal with their emotions. And absolutely, I think if you're raised with shame or just even not talking about these topics, having a kid ask about it especially about sex. We live in a pretty sex negative society where the only sex we see is like in, in porn and on, uh, you know, advertisements. We don't really actually talk about it. So having a frank question from your kid can just feel like <gasps> that it's really scary. And so as Bonnie was saying, just practicing sort of being calm and not reacting in that moment, because especially if you react in a negative way, that signals to your kid, this is a shameful thing to ask. You should be ashamed. This is bad. And so essentially training yourself to say, oh, that's an interesting question. And then again, if you don't know the answer, looking it up with them, or if it's something, I rarely recommend being curious. And so never shaming a kid for asking a question, but just being like, oh, where did you hear that word? Or, oh, why are you asking about this? And sort of trying to get at the bottom of it to also know where they're coming from, because often they might've just heard something on the school bus and they don't need a whole monologue about what this thing is. They're just sort of just getting to know what they know or what they want to know is really helpful. Or song lyrics. I'm going to throw that one in there (laughs) because that's where most of the questions I think that I get come from. And most of the things where I cringe and I'm like, oh, really? Can you can you not write smarter lyrics? Come on. <laughs> Don't get the radio announcer on that topic because I will never stop. Uh, it's yeah. Really yeah. yeah, but and that but that's a great point is that if you start with that, well, where did you hear that? What what's the context? It gives you a lot more understanding as to where your child's level of interest and curiosity might be. So you don't go all the way off the deep end yeah. in information. Sometimes what they're, like you said, what they're asking isn't really what they want to know or what they're actually intending to ask. So mm-hmm. you can, you know, reframe the question and say like, you know, I hear this, but like, is this what you're asking? Or, you know, because just so you, like you said, you don't go off in some, you know, off on some tangent on something that they really weren't asking about at all. <laughs> and if it's something you're shocked about, you, it can, the asking them questions can give you a moment to gather your calmness and so that you can answer it in a, in a way that will not provide them eternal shame. <laughs> I feel like every parent needs some really good PR training. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's an interesting question. <laughs> well, let me think about that for a moment and take a drink of water. <laughs> Speaking, we touched just a tiny bit on that idea of kind of emotional intelligence and, and you know, having conversations around that. And I know, Lisa Dawn, there's one particular topic in conversation that's close to your heart when we come to that, mm. that I would love for you to talk a little bit about. And I think that's one thing to like not understanding the importance of emotional intelligence as part of the sex ed conversation is maybe something parents often miss. 
And also it can take away the scariness of talking about sex with your kids if you know that it's part of this larger thing of relationships, emotions, sex, and it can just be worked into a regular conversation. But one of the things that we like to talk about is essentially training your kids in how to name their feelings, uh, how to recognize emotions in others, and being able to be aware of other people. And it, it sounds really basic, but often there's a gender divide in this. So we tend to train girls, not even meaning to, but to be, pay more attention to people's feelings and be more responsive to others' feelings. And we're less likely to explicitly train boys to be attentive to others' feelings. And this falls into things like consent and rejection. And so being able to understand what it, that what someone else is feeling in the moment and if you've asked for consent or if you've not asked for consent and being able to understand how the other person is feeling if they're uncomfortable um, but also in the training on talking about consent that can start really young like at two years old um, having people ask to and having your child provide consent about who can touch their body so uh, you know, if grandma wants a hug, she has to ask uh, and the kid can say no, and that should be respected to teach them about their bodily autonomy. Um, and so training them around consent from a very early age can then filter in when they get to talking about sex. Um, and the other flip side of consent that uh, sex educator BK Chan, uh, who's also a Canadian, talks a lot about is dealing with rejection. There's all this media about getting consent, asking for consent, um, but there's no talk about what do you do if the person doesn't give you consent. <laughs> uh, and in a lot of cases, that can be embarrassing. It can be like, even if it's sexual consent rejection or you, know, you ask someone out on a date and they say no, starting that early training on how do you deal with rejection when someone says no what are some strategies you can have that where you're gonna it's gonna feel bad and how you're gonna deal with that in the moment and so helping your kids think that through before it happens to them in a, a sexual or relationship situation there's actually a good meme going around about that same thing have you seen it on your news feed it's a cartoon and it is a like a boy talking to his mom and she says what does she say and he said, she said, no. And she said, well, what do you do now? And he goes, I know, try, try again. And she says, no, you leave her alone. <laughs> like, yeah. it just stop asking. So I, th I think that that's, it's nice to see those positive changes because you're right, everybody's told like, just keep trying, give the old college <laughs> try. So yeah. I like that. Well, and then that, mm -hmm. that whole other, like you talked about, like, you know, that, that whole other weight that comes with the idea of being rejected and, and that it's okay to be rejected. I think that's something that, you know, as a society, we haven't given that message out enough that rejection does happen and it, it's okay. It's not something you need to be ashamed of that you were rejected. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah. that's such a tricky tricky thing for us all to figure out whether it's, yes. you know, you, you didn't get the job you wanted or the raise you wanted, or it's in a relationship, you know, it, it, it's all around us. And it's something that we all struggle with that we all need to talk more about. And as adults, we often kind of downplay um, children and adolescents' feelings, um, you know, when they have crushes and when they're in love. And we really shouldn't do that because these are very real feelings, right? You know, especially like that age, you know, they, you know, find someone they have a crush on and it's all they can think about. It's, you know, really, and, you know, when we just go, oh, it's just a little crush. 
So we think of this as not a big deal, but like, you know, so when they feel rejected, it is a very big deal and they need to learn how to, you know, process these emotions and, you know, what to do and going forward. We need to talk more about the seminars, how people can find you and be a part of them. Sure. The, probably the best way is on Facebook at Sex Ed East. uh, And then also on Instagram, we post a lot of stuff uh, at Sex Ed East on Instagram. And we have class for just everyone at sex ed 101 coming up on wednesday the 22nd Um, and then we'll have other classes the intro to sex ed skills for parents coming up soon as well fantastic yeah i highly recommend that's the one you took yes yeah Yeah. i highly recommend that you know because (laughs) even if you feel comfortable and you think you know what you're going to do and what stage and all that it's just it's all those reminders and like oh right and i need to remember to use this inclusive language that wasn't a thing when i was younger yes. and, right. and all that and you even try to talk about things that aren't in the sex ed curriculum that you probably want to cover with your children that they may not be getting from school so you can kind of have that information about what you know they may not be learning but probably should be learning. And so we'll make sure for anyone who's listening or watching this, if you head to the Pickle Planet site, mm-hmm. uh, we'll have all the links to the Facebook page, the Instagram, as well as your podcasts, because I think they're fantastic listening for everyone. They really are a ton of information that you should, you should just take you to, put you in your back pocket <laughs> uh, and keep them around because that's why we keep having you back because you guys, every time you come on, it's a totally different topic and it, teaches us something and hopefully you something as well so we love this podcast so thank you for having us Mm. (laughs) (laughs) well you can be assured that it will happen again sometime later on probably in season three and uh yeah if you're listening you're watching you have questions that you'd love to ask these ladies let us know because uh, we'd love to have them on again perfect in the meantime thank you for watching and listening and we'll see you next week Thank you for listening to this episode. We are thrilled that you're listening. We hope you love it so much that you're going to hit the subscribe button. You're going to like, you're going to tell your friends and family. Don't forget to leave us that very important review as well. And you can find us on all social media platforms, me as Tosh.WoodTaylor. And you can follow Pickle Planet Moncton on the website, Facebook, or Instagram.